Next on BYUSN, men's hoops drops its first game of the season at Utah. What went wrong and how much did it affect the Cougars and the metrics that matter? Bronson Kafusi joins the program to discuss where BYU goes from here and what's sustainable from the 8-1 start. Zach Wilson had arguably his best day as an NFL quarterback yesterday for the Jets, but should that performance change how the Jets look at Zach moving forward? And BYU high jumper Sierra Tidwell-Alfin breaks a 34-year-old record on Saturday, and she'll join us in Studio B to talk about it. How about that? You see the crowd go nuts. I believe she can fly. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter, BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, December 11th. It is Spencer Linton's birthday. Happy birthday to Spence. He is, I'm not going to tell you how old. I am Jerem Jordan. He wishes how he would show hey. Otani's agent, Jason Shepard. I think he's like uh, I think 24 I know. or I think something. I know. I yeah. think I know, but we'll keep that on the down low. Yeah. And yes, I do wish I was sure. Here, here I'm going to show you. Yeah? Okay, so all right, he's a year older than I thought. Then. Is he older than you thought? Well, I just would have thought. I probably yeah. just forgot. Yeah, he looks um, younger than uh, he is. Yeah. Look, that's that's rude to do that on TV where you hide <laughs> information. So they're called inside. You got to be quick with me. I'm from yes. Mary PA. Yeah. Uh, but yes, in terms of being Shohei Otani's agent, seven hundred million dollars over ten years. I'm not great at math, but that's seventy million a year. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. By the I'm way, not good at math seven million is what his agent would get if he gets ten percent. If he gets half of that, three point five million. And you're saying per year? Per year. Yeah. By the way, saw yeah. the saw the stat on Saturday. And by the way, that that broke like right before the women's basketball game, mm -hmm. and so like we were all talking about it, talking with the coaches. Like, did you see this? It was it was crazy. But there were, if you average that out, as we mentioned, seventy million dollars a year that he'll make throughout the course. Taking last year's salaries for Major League Baseball teams, mm -hmm. that would average more than two teams' entire payroll A's from last year. And A's Rays? Orioles. Orioles. A's and Orioles. Great, all things yes, considered. We're less than seventy million, and Shohei's going to make that in one season. That's amazing. You know what? That used to be worth even more in this economy. It's uh, I would it's still good. I would love <laughs> to write out a tithing check for seventy million. Well, net versus uh, you know. Net versus gross. <laughs> you get there. There are two types of tithing pairs. Yeah, the net versus the. By the way, I'm glad yeah. you got the white memo. We're trying to clean, yeah, yeah. cleanse well, ourselves. Like a of, cream. -ish. We're That's trying to cleanse white. ourselves yeah. of what happened on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about it. All rise and chat. It's time for us. 14th ranked BYU Cougars, the run in Utes, and 15,000 in a sellout. And another great game in this historic rivalry. Hey, did BYU win the game? It sure looked like it right there. Uh, what's trending is sponsored by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. <sighs> BYU suffers its first loss of the season, 73-69 to that team up north. As Fred Willard said in the iconic mockumentary, uh, A Mighty Win, what happened? Shep, what happened? Saturday. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Do you want me to answer this as the the, uh, the rational person, or do you want me to answer this as the BYU fan? The BYU fan. BYU fan. Why? Why that team? <laughs> of all the teams in all the land, <clears throat> why did that team have to be the one that handed BYU its first loss? Because you and I both know yeah. the Cougars are not going to lose another non-conference game. No. They're, they're, they're going to win the rest. So they, they had a real Denver, chance. Denver, Georgia State, Bellarmine, Bellarmine, Wyoming. Yeah. They, they had a real chance 
to go undefeated in non-conference play and head into Big 12 play with, with a zero in the loss. And you hope to beat Cincinnati at home in the Absolutely. Opener. And then you go to Baylor. Yeah. And that's a top 10 matchup, which, yeah. <laughs> which would have been wild. So the, the fan side of me is just yeah. like, why that team? Why are they going to be able to have that over and hang that over our heads that when we get into conference play and there's a one in the loss column, that it's them. That's what bugs me more than anything else. The rational side of me says it stinks to lose. You don't want to lose because I mean, you want to win every game you play. And you, you did have a very real chance of going undefeated in non-conference play. But the rational side of me says it's also not a bad loss. BYU is not going to take a major hit for this. No. It, the, the biggest thing that stings is that it's just it was Utah. It's your rival. And, and you don't want to yeah. lose, certainly. Sure. But BYU, net-wise, is still in really good shape. Number three. Number three in the net. Ken Palm didn't take a gigantic drop. You're still eight. You you're didn't move. You're so the only thing that maybe you're going to be able to see, and we'll find out once the, the AP poll comes out, is where BYU falls. But I don't even anticipate a major drop in that either. Four or five spots? Yeah, so that, I'm assuming maybe. right around 20 or maybe, maybe, maybe 18, 19. Yeah. But so, so the, it's really not a bad loss. It just really, really stinks that it was Utah. Yeah, and uh, shout out to all the BYU fans that went up to that game. Uh, they filled the upper bowl. Uh, which is normally pretty empty or covered and uh, made it a really fun environment. I cannot wait for more BYU-Utah basketball games in the future, hopefully two a year. At I mean, least it took BYU, playing BYU to get the place packed. So they said, hey, Red Rocks are performing. Um, and then they all came. Yeah, no, it was great. They were loud, man. It was loud. I was there. It was great. I hadn't been there in like four years. It had been a minute. So. I had been there a week ago. Nice. That's true. Uh, yeah, and, and similar results. Um, okay, a couple things. BYU did not have a big enough run in this game to come back and win uh, because BYU got down by 14 and a half, 16 early in the second half. Too big of a hole. But BYU didn't have that big run. Utah had a 10-0 run. BYU's biggest run was 5-0. They had an 8-1 run. But there was an eight-minute spell where the BYU defense was amazing. They allowed, like, one free throw, no field goals. BYU had to push the pedal down a little more during that time. They did not. Settled for threes a bit, didn't hit them. Unfortunately, died by the three in this one, 7 of 30. That's the fewest makes and lowest percentage, 36% of the season. Uh, BYU settled a little bit. Second half, they got at the rim way more, and then things turned around. I'll show you some of the numbers in a second. Free throws, obviously an issue, 10 of 18. You got, you got to make a couple of those, and then this is a tie game, or you get the lead late, and you're not playing from behind the whole time. Uh, size was an issue. This is the first game in the three before where I felt like, ah, no foos was a, a problem. Just on the boards, because in the first half, BYU got out-rebounded by eight. This was the nation's second-best rebounding margin team coming in. The second half was much better. And then sticky offensively, 13 assists, uh, tied for fewest of the season. First versus second half. The first half was an issue. So BYU scores 31. They give up 45. Points per possession was low. Rebounds, low. Look at the second half, Shep. Only seven more points, but you allowed 19 yeah. fewer points. The defense was marketably different in the second half. Yes, the first half of 31 points was the fewest in a half by first half by BYU. The 26 allowed, second fewest allowed in the second half this year, plus 14 on the boards from the first half. Cougars went plus nine. They actually win the rebounding battle. If they had not started so slow, they would have won the game. But ultimately, BYU blinked, and it was 17-5 in the first five or six minutes. And Gabe Madsen's making step back, contested threes. They start 7-10. BYU settles in later. 
but did not have a big enough run to ultimately come back in this one. They really, 9.9, a lot of people talking about that last play. Let's talk about it. BYU gets the stop. Brandon Carlson airballs a would-be in the game three. 9.9, quick inbound. Chuck to Ali Khalifa on the run to Dallin Hall to try and get him downhill. Unfortunately, he dribbles it out. Yeah. If he controls that ball and gets at the rim at all, Richie Saunders is wide open on the other side. Look at this. For a would-be game-winning three there, or he drives at the rim, gets fouled. Who knows? Richie, by the way, played great. Spencer Johnson had his first double-double ever. Nine boards in the second half. I like the play call. It's just a bit rushed, and there's 9.9. BYU was playing that like there were three seconds. Um, and so – yeah, obviously, you live and learn, uh, and BYU loses. So, disappointing loss because it's Utah yeah. and because it's the first one. In the end, when the dust settles and the emotions uh, settle down, not a bad loss. See, it's a quad one yes. on the road. Utah's up to 32. BYU made Utah look, um, in terms of metrics, by getting that win even better. Not going to be one that hurts you a ton. And we can quantify this in basketball way better than football. But... It's not about that today. <laughs> yeah. It's about losing to Utah. Yeah, yeah for me, th- above anything else that happened in that game, final play, wh- whatever, it was the start. And it's not that BYU has found itself having to come back from a deficit in previous games, but they were up against a better team trying to do it. And sort of to get behind in that game specifically. In that gym. In too. that gym yeah. with that environment, that was just that was the one game that you couldn't come out slow. And granted, you had a much better second half, specifically on the defensive end, and you held them eight or nine minutes without a field goal. You know, so certainly you, you put yourself in a position even without the slow start. But to me, the, the, the slow start was the reason. Secondarily was the missed free throws. Because say, let's say even if everything else stays the same and you just make half of your missed free throws, you still win the game. So for me... You're at it, least tied with yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. And so I think, I think the slow start is, is what it is really what it boiled down to. That was just a game that you could not afford to find yourself down because of the team you were playing, the situation, the fact that it was a rivalry game. If they got a lead at home, knowing what was on the line for them to knock off BYU in a ranked team, it just felt like you can't play from behind in that game. Yeah, BYU's got to make a couple threes a little earlier. Seven for 30 in this game. Uh, BYU changed the philosophy second half. BYU made great adjustments in the second half to get back in the game, but unfortunately the hole was uh, a little too much even for uh, Shia LaBeouf to dig out of. Okay, uh, we love a a good petty and vindictive stat, do we not? We love that, right? Uh, Yeah. PNV? Yeah. Here's our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, here's how. Here's a coping mechanism. It's been 1,565 days since Utah beat BYU in football. Can you read that again just to make me feel better? It's been 1,565 days since Utah beat BYU in football. Yeah. yeah. That's where we're going. That's how we're coping on this, uh, on this Monday. So, yep, you can have that one. We will take the football. Almost four-ish years streak. Let's go of one game. Hey, and let's let's also but, uh, we'll let, take it. Let's also not uh, you know gloss over the fact that in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, BYU basketball has thoroughly dominated Utah basketball. And that makes this even more disappointing. In the last several years. Yeah, that like, makes yeah. E- even with the loss, it's still heavily in favor. In basketball, of you get back on the horse quick. Yeah. Because you have two games the next week, right? Yeah. You're not sitting on like one game. Late. Yeah. So bring on Denver hey, on Wednesday. Hey, we'll see you in the Big Twelve. We'll see you in the Big 12. Now you're depressing me again.
It's a Mailbag Monday where he asks questions. We answer them on the show. My, uh, Mike Dowling on Facebook asks, how does BYU make up for going cold from three in future games to avoid what happened against Utah from happening again? The school record of eight straight games with ten or more makes was ended. This team was the number one make-and-take team from three. They went cold. How does BYU avoid that in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I'm a believer if, if the three-point shot is not going, if you're a team that, that relies heavily on that, and quite frankly, not just relies on it, but have proven that you are super efficient at it like BYU has, yeah. if it's not falling and you don't have a guy, say, Foose, that you can throw into the post and let him go to work, I, I'm all for just as much as you possibly can driving straight to the basket and, and seeing what, what you can which, do. Even if you they did yes, in the Even if you force – you know, force fouls and get free throws out of it. I, I think I think that's one way that you can sort of change the flow of the game a little bit. If the outside shot's not falling, go right to the rim. Now you may have a couple of your shots blocked, but I, I think you put the pressure on the defense at the rim, make them stop you because let's. You hope that you get the bucket. You hope you get the bucket and the foul, but even if you just get fouled and you see a couple of shots go in, sometimes that's all shooters need. Even if it's a free throw, just hearing that swish can kind of change everything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Foose will certainly help whenever he gets back. Ali Khalifa, by the way, um, six assists in this game. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, he, he was pretty good on that end. Fortunately, Noah Waterman did not have a, a good game, and that was a struggle. More Jackson Robinson, please. This dude is on fire. He's, he's insanely good. He had two layups on the right side of the rim that one was so high off the glass, and then it was a great play. He is so long. Yeah, uh, th this this was an anomaly. There will be another game or two like this, but I don't see BYU going 7-30 to 30 very often this year. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and go from basketball to football into the pros. And how about our guy, Zach Wilson? Yo! Begrudgingly got put back in, and I don't mean begrudgingly on him. It sounded like his coach was like, okay, well, I guess we'll go this route, which is just, just a horrible way to handle it if you're Robert Sala. But Zach Wilson got the start, and boy, did he pay off for the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets against the Texans. 27 of 36 for 301 yards, two touchdowns. Jets blow out Houston 30-6. to Should that change how the Jets look at Zach moving forward? No. The Des News reported early in the week that uh, the Jets are going to trade him after the season. So it makes a better trade bait. They get a little more if he's performing well. Um, they let him loose. He showed him what he can do. And... I don't know if you can say, well, he could have done this the whole time. I'm not sure, because the Jets just stink. Remember, his middle name is Capono, which means proper or righteous one in Hawaii. This was a proper performance from Zach Capono Wilson. Some of his numbers in his career and where they ranked. Passer rating yesterday, best ever. Completion rate, 75%. Best ever in a game in the NFL. Second time he's ever had a two-touchdown, no-pick game. Completions, third most. Pass yards, third most. Yards per attempt, fifth most. This was, given the stats and the circumstances, the crowned jewel game for Zach Wilson in his young NFL career. Super happy for him because the circumstances are crap. But he went out there, he played well, and they got a win. Listen, C.J. Stroud is like He's one legit. of the best rookies, He's right? Legit. And look, Zach Wilson totally outplayed him and uh, did a nice job. So I wish Zach the best of luck, not only at the end of the season, but with the other team he's going to play for in the future. And I cannot wait for him not to be in the green of the New York Jets because then maybe, maybe he's got a chance to do something. 
Should it change it? It probably should change how they look at him. Will it change? Probably not, because I think, unfortunately, they've already made their decision. It, it's, it's also, you've got the caveat that they have Aaron Rodgers, who's right there and is going to be the quarterback at minimum next season, maybe even towards the end of this year, depending on how this goes, which, again, I, there's really no point in bringing him back. I, there's, you're just risking injuring yourself and hurting your opportunities for next season. You're talking but, about Aaron Rodgers. Talking about Aaron Rodgers, season? yeah. Like, yeah. So it, that, it just a, sounds that's like that's a way to keep yourself in the news. Though. I know I, I might come back. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So it should change the way they look at him because especially look what happens when you call an offense. It's based on your quarterback skill set. That was a different play calling from from Hackett. Yeah. And and that's and we saw what now granted. It's, it's Houston, and Houston and the, has been a surprise team. They have been much the, better than we the all pressure's thought. pressure's off. You're yes. not making the playoffs. Yes. The so I understand the circumstances around it, yeah. but he showed why he was the number two overall pick in terms of his skill set. And it's up to you as coaches to, to game plan for what your quarterback or what your players can do. And I think we, that was evident on Sunday. And I don't want to read into it too much, but it's the high end for him. We shouldn't read too much into, say, the low – like. In gymnastics, they do. I like how they do the scoring. They throw out the high and the low. Right. And who you are is something in the middle. I would say most people are like that. Like you at your best and you at your worst, probably throw those at you. Who you really are is somewhere right. in the middle. And, and Zach uh, certainly has struggled. Some of that is on Zach. Some of that is on the Jets. I just want to see Zach for somebody else. I have not been in on the Jets from the beginning, and I look forward to the day he's not there. One thing that yesterday will do for sure Yesterday is a perfect example of why someone else will trade for Zach Wilson. You remember when was it Matt Flynn with the Packers had like the best week 17 ever? He like threw for six touchdowns or something. The Seahawks were like, dude. Paid him a bunch of money. Paid him a bunch of money. They draft Russ Wilson. Never played. And then Matt <laughs> never plays. So um, who knows what that means for uh, Zach. But yeah. But that will remind people One why game. you want to trade for him. Yeah, yes. it gives you a, a, a high end that encourages you that, hey, maybe yes. that guy could play for us at times. Okay, another mailbag Monday question. Travis Tingy on Facebook. Is it a big deal to miss out on the extra practices given to a bowl game teams, or do they not mean a lot for the next season? Look, I, 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 would, I would say it's a big deal simply because, look, 15 extra practices is still extra time to work on your craft. I'm not, I'm not going to brush aside the opportunity for 15 practices. At the end of the day, though, I mean, it is it is what it is. Are you going to be significantly better because you had 15 extra practices in December for a game that's being played in August? Probably not. But I know coaches want those 15. Yeah. It's important to them. So because it's important to them, yeah, it's it's you you miss out. You also, without those practices, can focus more on the portal and the recruiting. Yeah. Because by the way, we are nine days out from signing day. Uh, stay tuned to BYU Sports Nation on December 20th for that. So, uh, great question, Travis. I could see both sides of that. Continue to weigh in on uh, X Facebook and Instagram on a Mailbag Monday. All right, BYU men's basketball will look to get back on the winning ways on Wednesday when the Cougars host Denver. Pioneers coming here once Pioneers again. Pioneers versus Brigham Young. The Pioneers making the trek a, once again. A matchup for the ages. <laughs> Pre-game coverage begins at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio with the game beginning at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and on BYU Radio. After the break, Bronson Kafusi on what happened against Utah Hoops and what his football priority portal players are. This is BYU Sports Day. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event.
Chase Roberts with the score. Gallon Hall feeling it from the perimeter. Jackson Robinson is off to the races. More Jackson Robinson, man. This, this guy's on fire. Dallin Hall had a great second half as well. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard on this December 11th. Let's welcome in a former not only football star at BYU, but he played basketball as well. That's what Kafusis do. He is Bronson Kafusi. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Oh, doing good. Do you still play basketball? You ever of play pickup still? Of course. You can play that a little easier than football at, uh, you know, post-BYU, yeah. right? Yeah, just Go not as much Basa. jumping. Not as much yeah. jumping, yeah. just shooting. <laughs> just threes at this point? Yeah. What are we doing? You go right, you Sometimes go I get brave and go in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine somebody. It, it, Bronson and I actually were having this conversation when we recorded Deep Blue, the the radio version. Like I can't even imagine somebody seeing Bronson come into the into the paint. Like your eyes probably just get gigantic. There's only one person I can think of. It's Corbin. <laughs> going. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Oh yeah. You and Corbin. You and Corbin one on one recently. Not recently. But we always, there's always a reigning 21 champion. Because mm. we play 21 who, who, all the who time. Who is it right now? He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have brought that up. He, 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 is, he is him, yeah. Okay, so BYU goes up to Utah, and unfortunately the first loss of the season happens. Mm -hmm. What are your takeaways from uh, that game? I really feel like, I mean, the way that we lost, I, I still feel like, I don't feel bad, but I feel like, Oh, we just had an off night shooting. And, and, you know, just imagine if we were just even hitting our numbers that we normally hit. Like, I think we were 20 something percent beyond the arc. Like, and it's like, oh, okay, we just bumped that up to where we, where we were. Hit, hit two or three more? Yeah, we would have been, been fine. And, um, but you have to, what I liked about it though is how it gave the team opportunity to fight back and be down and have to claw their way back. Because every team has to experience that. And so even though we lost, they were, they were able to experience, this is what we have to do. So take me through, because you've, you've done it on the football side and the basketball side. When a team gets down, what, what's happening internally with the team when you're saying, all right, we're down big, let's try and chip away. Like, take me through what that's like and how you do that, how you stay in the right frame of mind to make comebacks. I feel like in basketball especially, you have to really focus on the, really the dirty work of, of basketball. So you focus a lot more on the 50-50 ball. You focus a lot more on offensive rebounds, on steals, on any, anything that gets the ball into your hands more. And, and the scoring, it's interesting, I feel like the scoring just starts to come. Like, but you're, it's coming because you've created momentum off of all, all the hard stuff over here. And so I, I, I feel like it's very different in a sense than football, mm -hmm. you know, when you have to come back in football, um, just because it's so up and down with basketball. And so uh, you can change momentum faster, I feel like, in basketball. And we saw that in women's soccer as well. Where it's like, yeah. hey, you can score a couple of goals quickly here. Yeah, you, yeah. you can get them on their heels. Yeah. Uh, okay, so BYU's eight and one through nine. Um, and if you had to lose one in the first nine, that one hurts. But beating San Diego State probably better to win that game and kind of get in the national conscience a little bit than winning at Utah. Though, if you just value the rivalry, you want that game. But BYU's sitting pretty right now. They got four home games against teams they should beat at home. We'll mm -hmm. see. You got to win those games, of course. 
if BYU does that, they're 12 and one in non-con. Like this is ahead of schedule where BYU is right now. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling about this group and uh, maybe adjusted expectations based on better performance so far? Yeah, I really like this group. I like the way they play together. Um, as I watch the games, you're seeing multiple guys score. Um, and I like how they're able to really um, play off each other. It's, it's nice to see them all, you know, they, you know they, they have their roles, but all of them are about doing the hard stuff. They all rebound. They all play defense. They all talk on defense. They all, uh, you know, none of them are just, oh, I'm just a shooter and I'm not going to go play defense. Or I'm just a shooter, I'm not going to go in there and rebound. Yep. It's like, oh, no, they all can do it. And, they, and, and I love the culture of this team. Like this culture and the chemistry that's going on right now, I really like it. And I feel like as we move forward now through, um, you know, the rest of the, rest of the non-conference games and into the conference, I'm, I'm excited because, I mean, where else would you want to be than sitting where we're at going into a really hard conference schedule with huge opportunity to, because if we win some of those games, I mean, Wow, it's going to be a lot of fun. You could be a little below 500 and be in a great spot. Like no one, no one frowns upon the uh, eight and ten Big 12 team, or uh, they say, "Oh, actually, you're a single digit seed because you <laughs> yeah. had so many good wins." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this team is, by by most people's accounts, ahead of schedule, like we were mentioning before, and it's fun to watch. It's been a fun season to start out because of not only just the wins, but to your point, the style of play and the way they move the ball. It's a, fun, it's a fun brand of basketball. What do you think has been the biggest difference from last year to this year? Why do you think they have been able to come out and start the season as well as they have? That's a good question. And, you know, for me, I kind of look at it from the player side of, man, there's just a lot more chemistry there. A lot more trust. And they've talked about that. Yeah, that, that every, they, there is a significantly high chemistry on this team. They've all talked about that. And that's, you know how, that, how important that is. That, is. is that time yeah. spent, it, like retaining the core and then they had a foreign trip, which always helps and all that? Yeah, I would say it, it's all the stuff. It, it's nice to retain the core and then what the core does away from the court and away from the locker room really matters. And so if you're spending time with each other, um, you know, going on those trips, doing fun things, you know, and what happens is what you do off the court follows you on the court. So if you have a lot of team chemistry off the court, oh, it's going to transfer. And so um, I love I love watching that, actually, because it's it, it's a real thing. And, and that's why you see a lot of like the best teams. I mean, they're like family off the court. They're together a lot. They're always doing things together and they're able to. Um, you know, that, that trust is real. So, yeah. It's awesome. Okay, let's ask you a couple of football questions. Um, what, what are your uh, biggest transfer portal priorities in terms of position groups that need to be addressed this offseason for BYU football? This transfer portal, this one specifically is going to be probably the wildest that we've seen across all college football. Why? Because the players are a little settled in to, oh, I can make money now. And I can it's use been a year, yep. And I can do that. And so... Um, which I'm excited about. You know, I love that, and they should. And I, I think specifically with BYU, I mean, we're going to be bringing some guys here 100%, just like everyone else. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing in some added playmakers that can really 
Like they come in and they're really good at what they do and they immediately make impact. What position groups are you thinking? Uh, I want to see, I mean, for me personally, I felt like, okay, if we could get like a really good uh, tight end that could come in, win a lot of one-on-ones like that we can go to all the time, that would be, that would be awesome. And already, and just to add to the talent that we already have, I mean, we have talent on the D-line, but you know, I want to see some more pass rushers because it's really nice when you can rotate pass rushers because they get tired. You know, especially no. if they're playing all four. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> they, know, they get, like, I remember, you know, you, you're out there in two minutes and you're rushing hard, rushing hard, and then you're dead, but, that, but you're not going to come off because you know if I go off, the person behind me, there's no, like, it's going to be a big drop-off. So I want to, if there's guys that, you know, you can rotate on the, on the defensive front, oh, that'll make a huge difference. Especially, you know, from this last year where, you know, we wanted to have, you know, more sacks, more pressures on the quarterback, and I feel like that's something that we... Didn't really happen at the level we were hoping for, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, that's kind of like what you I... can address that in year two. Yeah, address yeah. that in year two, just by adding some more, you know, yeah, just some more talent and more players that can make immediate impact. The coaching staff still has two vacancies that they have, have not filled as of yet, offensive line coach and tight end coach. Um, not We're talking the former Packers tight end. That is, Fusier, yes, by the way. yes. <laughs> so not, not talking specific names, but in terms of the type of coaches that you would like to see, what, what are the traits that you would like to see when, when BYU makes those hires? You know what, there's, there's a lot of important traits when it comes to coaches. But for me, I mean, this is something that no one will be able to really be able to tell unless you talk to, like, the, the coach's former players. But are they a good teacher? I mean, the greatest coaches are the best teachers. And so for me, that's what I would want to have is someone who uh, is a great teacher, has great experience, but also has a proven track record of being able to coach players, take them from where they're at right here and get them right here. Because that's something I feel like, like especially here at BYU, I mean, coaches come in and they have to be able to increase you know, oh, they have to be at a very high level of their, their coaching because they got to take guys and bring them, you know, and just bring them along. And I think it's, it's super valuable when you have a coach that's done that before. Like they can come in and coach a player and, oh, man, that's the guy that we want. <laughs> okay, let's see who BYU gets. You, yeah. you, st you still look like, one, you could play, and two, you don't look like you've aged a day. <laughs> from when you played at BYU. And it's been like almost a decade, it feels like, seven, yeah. ten years. Somewhere. Yeah, like eight years. Eight <laughs> years. You still look That's like 22, 23. I know. You still look young. So uh, congrats on that. And say hi to the fam for us. I will. Thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah. All right, BYU basketball with Mark Pope back on Thursday night as the head coach. Look to recap this week's latest games and preview what's next for the Cougars. You can check it out at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on the BYU TV app and on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, we back on the horse, man. We got Denver Wednesday, Georgia State Saturday. Let's Pioneers go. coming again. Let's go. It was a banner day for the Cougs in the NFL. And will Jaron Hall be a starter again for the Vikings? We'll ask and address that. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem. He's Jason. Let's get to today's headlines. Number 14, BYU men's basketball suffered their first loss of the season Saturday night in Salt Lake City. 
Losing to the Utes, 73-69. BYU trailed by as much as 16 points, but fought back and had the ball with the chance to tie or take the lead with 10 seconds left. Jackson Robinson led the Cougars with 17 points off the bench. Spencer Johnson had his first career double-double with 10 points and 11 rebounds. Up next, back home at the Marriott Center hosting Denver Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus and on BYU Radio. Pre-game an hour before. You don't have to walk the planes to be a pioneer. Cougars taking on. Denver, Wednesday. Women's basketball beat Boise State 65-50 thanks to 18 points from Kaylee Wolston and a 16-18 and from Lauren Gustin to get to 8-2 on the season. Cougars have to wait until Saturday to play again when they host Idaho State. Cougars in the NFL. We mentioned this earlier in the show. Zach Wilson, 27 of 36 for 301 yards and two touchdowns. The Jets defeat the Texans 30 to 6. This was the first 300-yard game with two touchdown and no interception performance in Zach's career. Elsewhere, Fred Warner led the 49ers with eight tackles and a pass breakup and a 28-16 win over the Seahawks. My condolences. Hukunakua hey. caught five passes. Hey, at least my Chiefs aren't in this anywhere, at least that I can, I can see. You're going to throw a helmet on the ground. Hukunakua <laughs> caught five passes for 84 <laughs> yards and a Rams 37-31 loss to the Ravens in OT. Kyle Vanoy had four tackles and two tackles for loss for the Ravens in the victory. Also, Tyler Algier rushed for nine, had nine carries for 40 yards in the Falcons' loss to the Buccaneers. Michael Davis, four tackles, an incredible interception for the Chargers and a loss to the Broncos. Jamal Williams, 11 for 43 for the Saints, 28-6 win over the Panthers. Taysom Mill missed the game, injured. Seeing the attack, four tackles for the Browns and a 31-27 win over the Jaguars. And tonight, double, double uh, header of football. Chris Brooks and the Dolphins play the Titans. Zane Anderson and the Packers play the Giants on Monday Night Football. <sighs> Dang you, Kadarius Tony. Jimmer <laughs> Fredette and Team Miami to Not over it. <laughs> I will never be over it. He was over it, though. Jimmer Fredette and Team Miami took fifth place at the three-on-three -three World Tour event in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia over the weekend. Jeddah was the final Masters event of the 2023 three-on-three -three World Tour Series. Also a city in Star Wars. Indoor Sea uh, Rogue One. Uh, track and Field hosted the BYU December uh, Lexus event. No, just kidding. Uh, the, the December event, <laughs> to remember? too many Christmas commercials. <laughs> Over the, it was not sponsored. Uh, over the weekend, highlighted by high jumper Sierra Tidwell Alfin, breaking a 34-year-old school record, cleared 1.89 meters Saturday. That's over 6'2", the five-time All-American, now ranked number one in the country. We'll talk to her coming up in the next segment. Other notable performances include Rebecca Erickson climbing to the number two spot in the all-time pole vault board program history. Macy Taylor won the pentathlon, program's eighth best score ever. Josh Taylor won three sprinting events. And a personal best from Dallin Draper, in the 60 meter. BYU Gymnastics received a number 31 ranking in the Women's Collegiate Gymnastics Association preseason poll. BYU opens the season in the Super 16 Las Vegas meet on Saturday, January 6th. And BYU setter Whitney Bauer was drafted this morning by the Atlanta Vibe of the new seven-team Pro Volleyball Federation, a new domestic women's professional volleyball league that uh, begins its inaugural season coming up in January. She was the ninth overall pick and the second of the second round. Congratulations to Whitney Bauer. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, after the Ravens-Rams game, Baltimore offensive lineman Morgan Moses said that he asked for Puka Nakua's jersey because his three sons love Puka. Moses said after the game, quote, they couldn't come to the game today, so my job, my number one task was 
besides protecting Lamar, Lamar Jackson that is, was to make sure I got his jersey, end quote. Is that the biggest sign of uh, post-game respect? I think it is. If you ask for someone's jersey, that's another level. It's one thing to just like dap up a guy and be like, hey, you're a really good player. But asking for the jersey, that, that's, uh, that's quite the compliment. Yeah, and that used to be a soccer-only thing, and now we're seeing it in the NBA, we're All seeing the time, it in the NFL, yeah. and yeah. It's, it's a sign of respect. It's also a sign of, I want to get that jersey while, as it begins to appreciate. This is a hot item. This is yeah. a hot item that I want well. in my collection. Vikings starting quarterback Josh Dobbs was benched in the fourth quarter in a 3 uh, nothing win over the Raiders. Do you think Jaron Hall will get another opportunity to start this season? I certainly hope so. He was on the inactive list for this game. Look, who else do you have? You're not getting any production from any of these other guys. Started in the NFL. Yeah, but look, Jaron Jaron yeah. Hall, unfortunately, had the concussion that took him out of the game. But he he was performing well, and by all accounts, the Vikings seem very high on his ability. So I would certainly hope that they will give him a chance throughout the remainder of the season. Because I, I yeah. think I, I look, he I think he's probably earned it. But also look look at the guys that they put in that position and the performances they've had. Give Jaron a shot. Yeah, give Jaron a shot. Um, would I, I think he will start a game. Would you love it or hate it if uh, Zach and Jaron were on the same team? Like if the Vikings were like, oh, we want Zach. Um, I, would that be weird or cool? Well, it would it would be it would be cool that they're on the same team, but it would be weird because that means somebody's not going to play. Yeah, I think so. I would weird. hope to avoid yeah, that at avoid, all costs. Avoid uh, everybody, anybody with the Vikings. Yeah. All right, Ken Palm gives BYU men's basketball a 93.2% chance of finishing the non-conference schedule with a 12-1 record. Does that feel right? It does. Uh, BYU will be at home, and they're against uh, teams that uh, they very well could be in the next one. Yeah, so, yeah. honestly, I, yeah. I think it should be higher than that. Okay, uh, yeah. 180% of this. Uh, women's Hoops won its second straight game. Have they righted the ship after uh, losing to Wyoming and Utah? They have. They're playing really good basketball, and it's starting on the defensive end. Coach Whiting has, has been talking to these players. You've got to play defense. The other stuff will come if you play defense. And that's some of the things that were lacking in the two losses. The defense, the defensive numbers dropped. Mm -hmm. And they've gotten back to that over the last two games. And, and they're in a good spot right now. Eight and two overall. It's a good yeah, team. Pretty good stuff, man. One, one uh, tough week last week. Everything else has been awesome. Okay, coming up, Sierra Tidwell often broke a 34-year-old school record over the weekend with a high jump of 6-2. How'd she do it? She jumped high. She'll tell us in the studio. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yeah. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy Jordan, Jason Shepard here. We like to think that we have some semblance of athleticism, but it's not even close to the athletes we talk to on this program, including our next guest, who broke a 34-year-old school record with a jump of what was it, 1.89 meters or six, two and a half. Sierra Tidwell Alfin's in the house. Sierra, what's up? How you doing? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> Congrats on the school record. Uh, we talked to you in May ahead of the NCAA prelims, and now you're in studio for the first time. And you set the school record on Saturday. What was that like? It was awesome. It was incredible. The environment was awesome. Um, just super happy how it played out. So It looked like there was a big crowd there uh, watching, too. What was that moment like for you? And did you sense, like, Hey, there's some people watching. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I definitely could feel that, especially towards like the end of the last two jumps. Like in my curve, I could just like feel it on my face. Like everyone's watching and these last three steps are like going to make all the difference. <laughs> do you so. go in and like with goals in mind, like I'm going to break this record or do you not and, and not kind of set, set yourself up 
do you go in and just say, I'm just going to do my best, and if the record is broken, that's how it will happen? Yeah, I feel like the first meet is a little bit of a wild card because you're not sure if you're going to be able to start, like, right where you left off. So my mindset kind of going into this meet was just like, we'll just see, like, how I feel, and, like, if I'm feeling good, we're just, like, going to go for it, so. Okay, we're taking a look at the video here. Walk us through sort of what you're thinking and when in this process. Um, yeah, honestly, I think the thing that's helped me most is thinking less about my jumps. I think in practice, you're always so focused on all these different cues and trying to fix different things. But when it's time to compete, you just focus on like one or two things and just like sending it, being confident in yourself. So I think that's really what helped me. And Tiffany was very fast at BYU, but I don't think she's been faster than running out to oh meet you gosh, there. She, she was very excited. She's so cute. I know. I love how she celebrates. So you're excited, and then and then she runs in there. I to, know. What, what's it been like to work with uh, Coach Hogan, who is an all-timer at BYU? Yeah, it's been awesome. Like, going into my senior year, obviously, it's a little nerve-wracking getting a new coach, but she's been super awesome. She's super funny and kind of goofy, so it makes practice more fun. But she also knows how to push us and make us better athletes, so I'm definitely excited to keep learning from her. Where does this rank in terms of your own accomplishments? Yeah, so since I came to BYU, I've kind of made it a goal to slowly make my way up the top 10 board. Um, so seeing myself at the top has definitely felt really special and it's definitely one of my top accomplishments. Um, I guess second to that, I am intramural softball champions. So. Hey, 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 listen. <laughs> you don't need to shortchange that at all. If you've played intramurals at BYU, you know that's a big deal. Yeah. If you get that shirt, it is a big deal. I still have all the shirts from BYU of anything that I may have uh, participated in one. Uh, it's a big deal. You, yeah. You'll remember that for the rest of your life. But breaking the school records is a bigger deal. Okay, so you've been a first-team All-American in indoor and outdoor, high jump and everything. You took, I, I think, ninth in Austin, right, last mm -hmm. year? What's the goal now that you have reached a new uh, PR for yourself? And, and uh, hey, the, the ceiling goes up a little bit. Maybe. For sure, yeah. Um, so as you know, we just entered the Big 12 Conference um, I heard this that. year. <laughs> heard about it. Um, this year it's in Lubbock, Texas, Texas Tech, and that's one of my favorite places to jump. I've had You've been some, there before. Yep, have made really good memories there. Very so good. I guess the goal going on is just to compete well at the Big 12 Conference and hopefully take a title. So. How was your off season? Did you do anything different? Was it a pretty normal off season? What, what do you what have you done that has prepared you for this season? Yeah, so obviously with a new coach comes new training, and something that Coach Hogan and I have really been working on this out season is um, increasing my speed and my approach, and just like feeling comfortable bringing more speed and still being able to control it. So I think that's kind of a breakthrough that I've been having that's helping that helped me break the school record on Saturday. So. What's your favorite part of being a high jumper? Oh. Um, Other than these pictures, because you look pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely the feeling that you get after clearing a high bar mm. and just like seeing everyone around you being so supportive and loving. And yeah, Cougar Nation is awesome and the environment was amazing. And just like making those memories and friendships is the best part. And when, when that info was coming out, it was the middle of the BYU-Utah game. BYU was down. I was like, this is the positive energy I needed <laughs> in the middle of this game. Good luck, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, so this is somewhat of an inside baseball question. And, and okay. this, this is somebody that has, has never done anything like this, so I, I am really coming at this from... I swam okay. in high school. Give yourself some credit. I was here. a swimmer in high school. That does nothing to do with high jumping. I know, I know. I, know. <laughs> so, I just like bringing it up. Okay, so tell me, tell me how you generate the height. As, as a high jumper, is it is it with the speed? 
Is it the final push off with the legs? Like, take me through what you're doing out there. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's definitely a combination of like strength training and technique. Um, lifting has helped me a lot. I've improved a lot since I've been at BYU, just being powerful. And then also just, yeah, understanding the technique with high jump, you can break it down to like a million different aspects. Um, and so I feel like every year I've just like been working on a few and just like working up to it. So um, yeah, just like a combination of all those things. Do you know if it's a, if it's a good jump right away? Like can you can you feel if something was either off or this this feels yeah, good? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like when you like hit a jump right, it just feels so nice, and you can just like glide over the bar, and you're like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because uh, you're not just jumping straight up; it's not straight vertical. There's yeah. a big yeah. time technique yeah. to getting high and then kind of kicking your legs over and the whole thing. Yeah. But you, but you mentioned, hey, I'm trying to think less. Like you've programmed yourself already to mm -hmm. go through these motions. Yeah. Now just do it. Yeah. Yep, I think that's the best because it's easy when the bar gets higher to kind of like overthink it a little bit. If you look at the bar too much, you're like, oh, it looks kind of high, you know? So <laughs> you just have to like focus on like your couple of cues and then the outcome takes care of itself. Awesome. And that was the first uh, indoor meet of the year. Yep. What's the next one? <laughs> um, we actually have another home meet. I think it's January 13th um, after break. So. Very cool. Okay, yeah. come out and uh, watch the Cougs in January. Yeah, you, mentioned, you mentioned the Big 12 a minute ago. How, how big of a deal is that for, for you guys in the program? I think it's an awesome opportunity. Um, we haven't had like that big of a conference before, and that's kind of when everyone like pops off like you watch twofers like all the marks just go wild because everyone pops off on like conference weekend and so i think yeah that definitely gives us more of an advantage having that big conference so you were mpsf and indoor and then independent and outdoor previously yeah, or something had, yeah <laughs> it was a weird and, and there's there's people who uh like if you're a distance runner or something you could have a different eligibility like I'm a junior in cross yeah. country but I'm a senior in indoor and I'm a yeah. super senior in outdoor it's kind of weird so what's your eligibility situation with indoor outdoor yeah so this is my fifth year this will be my last okay. year my freshman year was COVID and so I got that year back and so you're like the last group that gets that year yep. right? yeah <laughs> I know I lucked out so okay. yeah well, uh, so this is the last year very exciting congratulations on setting yeah, the record congrats. and thanks, uh, so thanks for coming in the studio thank you so much <laughs> All right, if you've missed any interviews, trending topics, game breakdowns, deep blues, or any other BYU Sports Nation content, you can always find it on BYUSN.com. It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got a few more questions that Shep is antsy to answer. We will answer those after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. A uh, bit of breaking news here. Pete Thamel on Twitter, the authority, says sources. BYU expected to hire Georgia Southern offensive line coach TJ Woods at the same spot, meaning offensive line. He's a veteran line coach who has worked at Utah State, Oregon State, Wisconsin. This move won't be formalized until after he coaches in Saturday's Myrtle Beach Bowl. What's your reaction to this? This uh, information from Pete. Yeah, this is a name that's been floating out there for a little while. And so looking uh, looking in his bio and whatnot, I mean, obviously there's the Georgia Southern where he's coming from, but I think what probably uh, will impress most people is what he's done at the previous stops mentioned. Um, Utah State had a really good line when he was there. He's um, been there a couple of times. He's been there a couple of times, yeah, yeah twice, in fact. Mm -hmm. um, and then he was obviously with Gary Anderson at Wisconsin. We know what type of offensive lines that Wisconsin has. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to... I assume the Oregon State 
that that may have been the year when when Kalani was there. So they may have crossed was, paths that way. He was way there in 2015 with Kalani. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I, the fact that he has P5 experience, Big Ten experience mm -hmm. with Wisconsin, I, I like that. He was at UNLV with Aiden Robbins as that's well. Right. By so the way. maybe that's an op maybe that's something that Aiden takes into consideration when deciding to come back or not. Yeah. My my uh, vibe on Aiden is that he is gone. But uh, hopefully he would come back because that would be uh, awesome. Aiden's a good player, and uh, we saw him a couple of times there uh, with that. So T.J. Woods expected to be the offensive line coach. No indication of whether that includes run game coordinator. Still question on tight end. Yeah, does he, does coach, he bring so we'll in see. somebody that he wants? Because I know that was something that was talked about, that maybe whoever comes in as offensive line will, will want to bring in a guy for the tight end since you have blocking schemes yeah. that, that go hand in hand. Well, we shall see. Yeah, so we'll have to find out if, yeah. if that's part of it. Okay, it's Mailbag Monday, uh, and uh, Bryce and Denny on Instagram. Do you think BYU's loss to Utah will be a great learning experience for conference play? What do you think? 100%. Any, any loss should be a learning experience. Yeah, true road, yeah. You know, tougher environment, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you got to show up, absolutely. BYU will be better for this. Absolutely. Our elite mailbag question of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated at Roberts underscore MN on X. Is the worst thing about losing to Utah on Saturday is the fact we have to root for them to do well enough the rest of the season so that that game stays quad one? No. No, you don't uh, have to do that. No. You, you, no. You're going to be playing plenty You're of quad be ones. Play, yeah. You don't need to worry about Utah or, in my opinion, ever root for Utah. Yeah. Resume regu regular scheduled <laughs> programming of not wanting Utah to win. Yeah. That's fine. Perfectly mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> no. Hopefully that's quad four in the end. Today's Rise and Shout Out is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Well, quad four would hurt your resume, but yeah. Uh, Sierra Tidwell Alfin. Really cool to hear her story and what's going on in setting the school record in the high jump. Six, two and a half, bro. It's been She's flying over both of us. 34 years that that record was there. That is That's older amazing. than Spencer Linton is today. <laughs> he wishes. Thanks <laughs> to today's guest, Ronson Capusi and Sierra Tidwell. Love you, Spencer. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. Happy birthday to the vampire Spencer Linton. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. You never jumped six, two and a half. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Kamila Hiapo. Go Cougs!